Uh, so we got turtle power. I'm not doing a big fancy schmancy intro to this one because this is the second time we're recording this episode. That's right. We're ending Garden Variety with the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. For the love of God, please let this record because it's in the basket, the writer's bagel basket. On the half shell, they're the heroes for In this day and age, who could ask for more? The crime wave is high with buggings mysterious All police and detectives are furious Cause they can't Tear me apart, Lisa! David, do you take Patrick? Everything is going to be alright I was thinking maybe the king and I uh, how about Oklahoma? I don't consider myself a particularly ethical person, but I am fair. Don't be mean. We don't have to be mean. Because remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome Writer's Bagel Basket. I'm Scott Kerland, and I was not lying when I said we are recording a second time. My guest is Mr. Matt Gettick from Happened in the 90s, and he came back generously after recording two weeks ago this episode. Hey, Matt, welcome back. I'm sorry I cursed that episode, Scott, but thank you. Happy to be here again. Um, and, you know, knock on wood. Hopefully everybody gets to hear this one. Yeah, hopefully. Um, well, I feel like I cursed it because Matt has a connection to this podcast. His wife was already on this month. And she's been on a bunch. Kendra Beltran. Yeah, so. I think she sabotaged. She was like, I can't let my I can't let my husband get some shine like this. I gotta get out first. So <laughs> let's blame her. I'll, I'll I'll let her know. No, I'm blaming myself. I'm saying I jinxed it because I said I opened that episode and you can hear a really bad edit of me saying, We already had her husband on. <laughs> yeah well disaster happens man you know yeah. that's the thing so you know maybe the hard drives are just gotta keep them in a locking key play or case of somewhere I, you know i don't know what happened the last time but i feel uh, good about this we're gonna this one's gonna make it I like well this it. is a brand new hard drive there was a power surge good god yeah it just, it just frightens me because i'm so blase with all my like storage that that probably should have happened to me many times and just some, for some reason it just, you know, not yet. Yeah. I'm going to, I'll, I'll feel that pain soon. I'm sure. But you know, we're here. Yeah. Like we're talking about two, like we're talking about one of our favorite things mutually. You and I both love the teenage mutant Ninja turtles and we both have posters of the film. Yeah. Oh, original one. I mean, mine you is, do. From, yeah, the night it is literally, if I found the date on it, it's probably on the back someplace, but uh, it was a birthday gift. I've just been fully into the turtles. Like I just got it as soon as it was presented to me. Scott, mm -hmm. I just, I love it. You know? Yeah. Uh, my lovely wife got me a lovely present five or six years ago for one of our anniversaries. Uh, this guy, the uk does these specialty posters and he designed this specialty teenage mutant ninja turtles poster and i have it it's one of my prized possessions like the things that i'm gonna save uh for the apocalypse as you and i were talking about the apocalypse is 
protect my dogs, protect my wife, protect this poster. Yeah. Oh yeah. I definitely have a couple of those. I got like actual figurines where I was like, sadly as like a 40 year old, nearly 40 year old man, I'm probably going to go grab like my nineties, uh, Ninja Turtle movie figures and be like, please, we got to save the, get Mason, get the dog. We're good. I got my figures. I got my guys. We're good <laughs> to go. This is going to be currency. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'll give you a Donnie. I need, I need, we have to eat. I'll give you the Donnie. No, Donnie's my favorite. <laughs> so why yeah. don't you give us the blockbuster rule for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Uh, just a band of Teenage Mutant Ninja brothers who happen to be turtles are trying to fight off the Foot Clan uh, who are ravaging New York through a crime wave of stealing stuff from little old ladies um, and the Foot Clan is a bunch of ragamuffins, it's ninjas, and it's run by Shredder, who is the coolest villain. And these brothers basically band together, overcome the odds, and defeat the nemesis that has plagued them and their master for decades. That's a long tagline, Scott. I apologize. That's not good. I feel like that would be on like continue on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> the Secret box of the is Ooze. like five feet wide. Like we got to fit this guy's quote on. I don't know what we're gonna do here. <laughs> um, I I agree about Shredder. However, I would have loved to see Baxter Stockman in this one. Like, yeah, he was. I mean, that's like a, a cartoon thing. I don't know. I mean, I think they did put him. Wasn't Tyler Perry Baxter Stockman in one of the new ones? Baxter Stockman was actually in the original comic book run. Yeah. Oh, definitely. But I'm just yeah. saying in terms of like the movie and like just movies in general, like they, he isn't like a widely used character as they much. They came close in Secret of the Ooze. That's who David Warner's character when they're like, oh, this guy can't be a bad guy. So David Warner's character was originally supposed to be Baxter Stockman, but then he was going to turn out to be evil. Oh, wow. The, the guy that they used to, like, counteract the stuff was right. actually, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. He was supposed to be, or, like, work with Baxter Stockman. It was still going to be David Warner as one of the doctors, but, like, Baxter Stockman, they were each going to have their own mad scientist. Like the yeah. turtles were was gonna have David Warner and uh I believe the person they were gonna go with for Baxter Stockman was a pre-fame Samuel Jackson, like two years before uh Pulp Fiction, Samuel Jackson. Wow. Fresh off of like true romance cameos and stuff like that. That's yeah. Uh oh, what was what was oh uh incoming to America, yeah. the guy who robs the McDowell's. He's in he's in True Romance for literally five seconds, and it's he has one of the best lines of all time. That he's, I don't know how R rated this podcast is, but it's amazing. No, I know the line you're talking about. He also same year was in um, oh my god, what's it called? Goodfellas. Oh yeah, you're right. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy when you hear those facts though, because I love. I, well, I've heard people hate. Secret of the U's. I've heard differing opinions. I personally did use it used to be my favorite movie when I was a kid. Yeah. But man, when you hear those facts, it's like, man, what what might have been if if there wasn't a clamor about how violent the first one was, even though it's not that know, violent. No, it's really not. But you know, that was a thing. So they tried to like push that back a little bit, made it sort of wacky. I think you said like in the second one, they don't really use their weapons that much, you know. Yes. 
I so, said previously where no one could hear it in the original yeah, exactly. recording. <laughs> yeah. In, in the echoes of the past where we had yes. that, that conversation, but you know, I think it would, it would have been great to see that it would, I mean, especially to have Samuel L. Jackson in the second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. I mean, wow. Yeah. Cause what I believe, been? I believe they originally approached Eddie Murphy and he said no. And then they went to Sam Jackson and he did national lampoons loaded weapon. Instead. Oh yeah, hell yeah, he did. Man, he's been he's been working for a long time, but that would have been cool. That Man, the nineties were great. Cool. Yeah, I know, right? But yeah, I mean, the way we got what we got in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles too. I mean, I know we're talking about the first one, even with its wackiness and its weirdness. I I still to this day I can watch it and love it. You know, there's really cool things in it that I think they do. And Toka and Razor. It's not Bebop and Rocksteady. It's not what I wanted when I was a kid, but I still yeah. dug it. It's I still thought it looked pretty cool. Well, we also got Kino. We got um uh Ernie Reyes Jr. because yeah. he was in this one. He was in the first one. Uh as I think he was uh the the stunt, not the animatronic, but he was like the stunt body for I think it was Donnie, or it might have been Mikey. I think it was Mikey. I only say that because Mikey's like sort of smaller statured, but I think all the dudes that were doing like the stunt work were all probably about the same size anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ernie Ray, what a beast, dude. That guy, was he was great. It, it is cool that he got to be like himself in a movie after being a stunt dude in this one. And then we got Surf Ninjas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ernie, we can go on and on about Ernie Reyes. He was in, uh, I remember when I saw him in that weird rock movie, The Rundown. The Rundown. I love The yeah. Rundown. Rundown yeah, is was... my favorite rock movie. Yeah, that probably, that might actually be my favorite. I don't want to get too far away from the movie we're talking about, don't worry but about I, it. We do it all oversaturation the of The Rock. I'm trying. I love The Rock. I, I I'm a wrestling it. fan. I grew up loving him and everything he's done, but what he puts out his movies and just like how much he's out. It's almost too much. Like yeah. I need a, I need to see rock lose in a movie. I need him to be something more than just the rock in a movie. You know, I love how they try to retcon that into a skyscraper. Uh, they're like, he's lost before he's not going to lose this time, but he lost before the movie ever started because his leg got cut off. <laughs> yeah. Right. You he lost once. You can tell it's yeah. right there, guys. He took that. That's an L. Yeah. He shoved that piece of leg down some animal's throat or whatever the disaster was that took his life. I forget what he was in that movie, but yeah. you know what? <laughs> I shouldn't even say that because I did like that uh, Rampage movie they made. I, I even enjoyed that one, to be honest. It was stupid, but it wasn't that bad. I like it's him in the Jumanji movies. Yeah. I, okay. There we go. But yeah. the the Black Adam movie, hard pass for me. I just it was not what I wanted. Let's put it like that. No one wanted that. <laughs> He's like kicking himself for turning down Shazam. I think what he needs to do is just take a break, have a couple of shots of Terramana, and just hang <laughs> back a little bit, relax. You know, let some of the billions of dollars that are in your bank account go away. Let us forget the greatness of The Rock and then come back in a couple years and just be a villain. Like, go hard in the villain roles, you know? I, I want to see him as a villain pretty much in a DC movie. <laughs> like, 
not Black good. Adam. I always thought because, and this is going to be shocking to anybody that likes movies at all, because this is probably, I'm one of maybe five people that like this movie, but the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie that came out, you know, you can say what you want about I that. I saw it and, twice in theaters. I like I like that one. I awesome. especially like the director's cut. The direct I'm I was about to say the director's cut fantastic, but I will say the the casting of Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Before The Rock is what he was now, I always kind of thought if you wanted the Kingpin just to be like a he's never really like a huge like buff good looking dude but the rock sort of kind of looks like a a kingpin-esque guy so him or batista yeah that would be cool but you know i think they found their they got a good kingpin right now in marvel i think i think they figured that one out pretty well so going back to turtles i just realized that your shirt is bebop bebop and rocksteady uh as the the cover yes outcast which is one of my favorite Uh albums of all time I mean, anything you can look around. If I turn my camera on, there's a uh, custom, not a custom, but like a cartoon drawing of villains for the Ninja Turtles. Here's the poster. I got everything. I got mad T-shirts. I'm wondering when as like an adult, because I am in a few months going to be 40 years old, when it's going to stop. Because I can't like if I see it. Huh? Are we birthday twins? July 27th. Oh, June. Okay, so you're well. You're an old man, dude. Jeez, get out of here, old guy. <laughs> I'm three years younger than you. <laughs> oh well, damn. Well, I thought you meant we were like forty year old. We're both about to be forty years old, but no, no, no. I'm gonna be thirty seven. Okay. Well, well, now I feel all even worse, Scott. Thanks. <laughs> oh, uh, don't worry. If I turn my neck like this, uh, it cracks, and not in a good way. Yeah, we're we're getting old, but I was I always thought like at some point. And this is the foolish lie. You think like adults are going to know, like have their shit together and whatnot when you're young. No. But at some point I thought even pretty recently, I was like, I'm going to stop buying this like Ninja Turtles swag. And I just can't. When I see a cool shirt, if I see, I can't, I'm not buying toys, but I'm getting close to buying like the NECA toys that are really realistic from the, to the movies and stuff. So I'm getting pretty close to that. Cause I, have I mean, income. My obsession with my childhood nostalgia, I mean, I love Mystery Science Theater 3000 to an unhealthy level. (laughs) Yeah. Man, there was one episode of that called, like, I think it's the one that they made the movie off of. Where This Island Earth. Yes. Yes. I I have the movie poster of of MST3K, the movie. My buddy Ben watched that ad nauseum and would just, I mean, we watched that show ad nauseum, but for some reason, the movie, we loved it so much. When they have the thing about, they keep keep saying Mitchum at one point. That used to be a huge joke of ours. We'd act tough and be like, Mitchum. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, it is the first film I had ever seen in theaters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I, this is the only one as far as like this might be my earliest memory as a child mm-hmm. because I am a stoner. I'm old. I've forgotten things. And uh, but I do remember clearly the movie theater, the movie theater reaction, just being a kid and being in that moment. I remember that day very clearly, especially 
uh, you know, that first damn, you get that whispered damn when Raphael just like kind of says it when he loses his sight at the beginning. <laughs> I mean, I just remember like, it almost like curled me up like, oh my God. And you know, I just, it was so cool. And it was one of those things where it was so built up as a kid, like, um, you know, and this is something we discussed in the last episode too, was that, you know, this wasn't the internet era. There was only right. so many avenues of information especially for young kids so we knew it was coming uh i was already fully invested in the cartoon the toys the whole mm -hmm. thing and to have it go from something even like a cartoon thing that was tangible that you could like play with and hold in your hand and create these stories to something where i mean this is a gritty realistic movie i mean it's almost has adult visuals it looks like a sort of a scorsese in new york yeah. This gritty crime movie and to see it to see that the these things that you love so much and for them to even be like cursing and doing things that are a little more adult than you'd seen was just so intense and so cool man it was it was everything for my little uh seven-year-old self at the time <laughs> donnie is why i ended up donatello is my favorite turtle and he's why i ended up doing skateboarding uh, at a young age and why I kept it up because he was smart. He liked skateboarding. I was like, Oh, you can be into science and like mechan like, like STEM science and, and robots and mechanical stuff and do skateboards and be smart. Like. And be also, cool, you know, like yeah. be, be, be tough and be cool and be that too, because that wasn't a being smart. Wasn't really the coolest thing back in the nineties, you no. know? So, uh, but for me, Donnie, as I get older and as I like now, if you ask me, he's my favorite one. Mm -hmm. um, he's in the movie, like he's weirdly like the one who's like sort of the heart of the group. He's the yeah. one that sort of gets the emotional reaction as much as sort of, I don't for whatever reason, he's the one I sympathize with the most. But as a kid, uh, I just loved Raphael. I love the big, tough brute dude. Same thing with like the X-Men cartoon. I, maybe it was the same for you, but like Wolverine was like my immediate favorite X-Men. Beast. Uh, okay. Visually, I get it. but for We some named reason, our dog McCoy. Oh, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's why. Please tell me you haven't dyed his hair blue or anything about no, it. No, no. <laughs> he does have a full mane. Like, I love it. He's our little beast. Uh, yeah. With... See, I think Donnie has always been my favorite. Like, as a kid, he was smart. He was on a skateboard. But now as an adult, it's like he's he's the most realistic. He he kind of is the one who estate plans because he asks Mikey, he's like, do you think Splinter meant it? Like, one day he's going to be gone? What do we do? And, yeah. like, in that scene, I love that scene because Mikey doesn't want to think about it if you – the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, he's just waiting for the pizza and he doesn't care what his brother's saying. And now as an adult, it's like, no, he doesn't want to think about a time where he would be without his dad. Yeah. I mean, and, he does what we all do when you don't want to have like an uncomfortable conversation. You're like, you just try to like figure a way to get out of it. You know, yep. pizza guys got 30 seconds. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, it. He's late. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And also just like Donnie will at some points just bring like a levity, like when they're on the farm, he's the guy kind of risen with uh, 
Casey, Casey Jones. Jones and stuff. He is, and he is Corey Feldman's voice. So I think that's probably why they wanted the personality to come out from the actor, like the recognizable voice too. But yeah, Donnie also just visually when he's flipping his little thing around and when the, the action gets intense, he has some really just cool, uh, just almost like, I don't know what to, how to like say it. Like, almost sport card, like baseball card moments where he's like, he'll pose or something and get yep. a really cool pose. So, yeah. I, and also as mechanically, just as being a kid, his weapon was the easiest to imitate. Cause you get a broomstick. You're good to go. You got a mm -hmm. bow staff. That that's why he was my favorite because I could easily, that's the one weapon that I could have in the house. All I had to do is unscrew the broomstick. Yeah, I mean, get a get a little tape, get something to put in the middle that just you know mm -hmm. gives you a little band aid look. I used to do that, but then I, I don't know if I told you this or maybe I just said this to somebody while I was talking about this movie. But uh, in Pennsylvania, where I grew up, and when that when I was young enough at the time of this movie, we had like Amish. You told me, yeah, yeah, it was like a, a market where they sold everything, food, <laughs> you you know, everything. But they had a weapons guy, and he was selling legit everything. I could have bought Leo's katana blades or whatever they were, but I I was given twenty dollars. You know, legally I was given the size, but as soon as my parents saw me, it was like, "Yo, you're not what? Is, what's going on here?" <laughs> Amish people are just arming our our kids <laughs> with ninja weapons. So when we first started talking about turtles. I thought it was Corey Haim who was also offered to be in this movie as Michelangelo. I was wrong. In the research, there was someone who has acted with uh, Corey Feldman before. They originally wanted Josh Brolin from The Goonies as the voice of Leonardo. And they wanted Kiefer Sutherland as Raphael. Oh my goodness. And Kiefer Sutherland was in flatliners at the time and he was like no uh and yeah yeah i mean, I was, I mean can you imagine if it was that star-studded but you know feldman he nails it yeah well F having feldman and brolin would have been great thanos being one of the being leonardo back well, at in this the time the most famous he was for was being brandon the goonies that's it I yeah. mean, after he did Goonies, what was he? I don't really clock him in anything for a while. He didn't really have a resurgence until like the 90s with Flirting with Disaster. And then um, he was the bad guy in the Mod Squad movie. Oh, that is true. He was. Yeah. yeah I mean, it just took a while. You Sometimes you got to get away from that character. You got to go away. You had to like get some of that. He had to smoke some cigarettes, <laughs> you know? Get that gritty voice. Well, but everyone. Man, Josh Brolin as Leo and Feldog as Donatello. That's that's enough right there. That's too yeah. much star power. Key, Dad, Kiefer Sutherland. It's there's a lot of gritty voices. Like the turtles are are some cigarette smoking teenagers, I guess. Well, like I I discovered that these child actors, some of the ones like Kihu Kwan from uh, Goonies and Everything Everywhere All at Once. He was, um, when he couldn't act anymore, when he wasn't getting cast, I thought that he wasn't doing 
like he he act in every interview it sounds like he hasn't done a ton but i looked up his imdb and he was like the stunt fight coordinator on several movies he was the second unit director on two uh wong kar way movies uh including um 2046 which uh and i believe in the mood for love like he <laughs> He did really well financially. He did really well for himself. He just wasn't acting. And like I feel the same thing about like Brolin and Feldman. Everyone's like, oh man, where have they been? They've been around. Like Oh yeah. I mean Feldman, I don't know. He's gotten weird. These other guys sort of aged well. And I think maybe not being stars constantly throughout your childhood probably helped them out a little bit to have like some sort of solid head on your shoulders. I don't want to talk too much crap about Corey Feldman because I do love him, but the dude is weird and he sort of veered into a realm of just being, he's stuck in something, you know, like I'm, I'm still engaged. Like me and Kendra talk about going to see a live performance, like of his music because he's still making and performing. (laughs) No, and we're not going to enjoy it. Let's put it like that, Scott. Um, but yeah, I, I, it would have been cool. You know, that's all I can say. But the thing of it is, it's like hard for me to even say that because what I've seen is like this movie that we're what we watched and are into and are talking about what they did, even with all the crazy, insane, like problems that they had. And, uh, you know, just coming from like thinking about a movie that was made from a toy in a cartoon, you know, mm-hmm. they made something so high quality. It's almost uh, astonishing. And they no. combined the comic book and the animated series so well. They combined the grittiness of the comic book with the colorfulness and camp of the cartoon. And, like, this is a perfect example of doing a comic book movie right. Like, this, for the longest time, for New Line Cinema, this was the highest-grossing independent film because it was made for, like, I want to say $1.5 million? Like, which wasn't a ton of money back then. I mean, it sounds like a ton of money, but it was made for, like, nothing. And especially when you think about all that went into it, having Hanson come up with the technology so that you could physically actually shoot these moving puppet faces. And And he did it at cost. Yeah. I mean, it is, I mean, and a million dollars is, like, that does sound like, it is a lot of money. Like, give me a million dollars and all my problems go away. But in movie making, even back in 1990, that's nothing to for, get, for a superhero movie. Yeah. yeah. And to get what you got out of it and get this quality, um, even hearing like about the problems that went into it, it is, you know, like, I think we were talking about it, how, you know, like just the logistics of shooting people in these suits, you got these guys, there's somebody that has to be in these suits and stuff. And like for the person in the suit, you got like a helmet with motors and whiz you, you like the reality of that's got to be crazy. It's 200 degrees in these things. People are falling out, you know, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it didn't sound like an easy thing to make. And, uh, you know, I've, I've never made a movie incomplete. I've made small things and I know how hard it is to just even do that. So to see all these moving pieces as an adult and still be able to like watch a movie like this from the nineties, and enjoy it and be like it it hasn't fallen off that's a big thing like if you watch older movies now you can watch a lot of movies you thought were good that just are not 
you know, sadly. And this is not one of them at all. Yeah. When I look at like the reviews for this movie back then, it's like they didn't get it because the the only review that I respected was uh, Roger Ebert's review because in in his actual review, he's like, I'm giving this a thumbs down, but I'm giving it two and a half stars because this isn't for me. This movie isn't meant for me. This movie is meant for children and for teenagers. I am not the targeted demographic. But did but as a film critic, did I like it? No. But once again, it was not for me. And I respect the hell out of him for doing that because he flat out admitted this movie's not for me. It, it, it wasn't made for me. I'm not I'm not the fan base. But like, you know, they did a, a not bad job. Like, that's pretty much what he said. He's like, not bad. Yeah. I mean, I think if like if you're thinking like from a critic's perspective, I think it's it's like a doctor telling you to use like homeopathic medicine or something. It's just like they can't tell you to like a kid's movie, um, which is why I really don't like critic stuff anyway. You know, we all have opinions of movies and stuff. But in this case, you know, is Roger Eber going to say, you know, two thumbs up like this is a this is just a great martial arts movie. You know, no. But that right. didn't matter. Like for us kids, ask 10 kids walking out of 10 different movie theaters the day this came out. I guarantee you it would have been 10 out of the 10 because I remember the theater I was in and it was just waves of applause. Kids like me jumping out of my seat at times. Uh, you know, when uh, <laughs> when uh, Raphael's running and screams, damn, and it like pulls out and you yep. see like the, you know, the city, I got up. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I... I was so into it. So I, it's funny that to think of this in adult terms, like back then, like some guy was like writing notes, like this pace of this movie is too, it's too much. It's like, don't think of, don't go too hard on it that way. Well, yeah. Back when I was a film critic, even the only way I would give a movie a bad review is if it was really, really bad, really offensive. Like, like, I never gave Saw good reviews because I do not like torture horror. Like, um, I never liked that. I mean, I liked Hostel, the movie. Like that one of when it first started, there were a couple movies where I was like, "This concept is crazy," and it like Cabin Fever. I, I felt that way about. Yeah, the Eli Roth one for sure. Yeah, I just I, for some reason, also those movies um, had like behind the scenes material that I got into. So I think it sort of added to it a little bit, like the right. logistics of shooting a horror movie and like horror effects and stuff like that. But, but um, even when movie- I went into a kid's movie, I would try and give it a good review. Like I saw the Michael Bay Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and I wasn't a fan, but I didn't give it lower than a C. Not, yeah. I didn't go to C minus. I didn't go to D. I gave it a C because my biggest problem with that was the design of Splinter. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there I have gripes with it, but even those, I didn't really hate it too much. All of the ones that have come out subsequently after these live action ones, there's been things that I liked and didn't like. I remember there was an animated one that had a TMNT. Yeah, the one with uh, Raph and Leo have like a really like knockdown drag out fight in it, I believe, on like yep. a rooftop. That one was, you know, that was something I remember. But even like the Michael Bay ones, you know, there are things to hate about it. I don't dig the design of the turtles as much, but 
I like the voice acting, and it's it's a Michael Bay movie. I think like with these special effects things he's putting out, like the old Transformers movies, they all mm-hmm. sort of weirdly look the same. But I'm a blockbuster fiend. Like if yeah. it has some action in it that's catching my eye, uh, I'll I'll find some. Especially like the second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles they did, Out of the Shadows or whatever. That one I like. That one yeah. I like a lot. The first it's got one, Bebop and Rocksteady. Yeah. So you know they got me as soon as I saw that. Well, with this movie, I feel like if they didn't fire Stephen Herrick as director and writer, the second one would have been a lot, you know, darker, a lot better. We would have definitely gotten Bebop and Rocksteady because in his original script, it was Bebop and Rocksteady. Gosh. It makes me want to see that movie because this guy, it's weird that they had so much success and, you know, I don't know. I forget what the actual thing was or why he got fired or whatever, but it's like this movie was too dark because parents felt this movie was too violent and too, you know, uh, adult Mm. for children, even though it made probably a hundred and fifty million dollars. You think that would be all they care about, you know, like all the parental stuff, like, get over it because people still took their they still took their kids to the movies but it was the same batman returns argument that like mcdonald's is like we can't sell happy meals if the movie's dark i can't have danny devito puking black thing stuff out of his mouth which yeah i get it and i but i grew up in it you know batman returns is one of my favorite christmas movies (laughs) like it's a great movie in general. And yeah. it's got like so many cool things that people like Christopher Walken's great in that movie and weird. And Michelle Pfeiffer is so freaking weird and sexy in that. It's just yeah. such a good movie. The, the weird thing is they wanted David Bowie for Christopher Walken's role. Weirdly enough, like I can see it just because in that Christopher Walken almost has like, you know, he has that white hair and he just yep. looks like he like put his finger and a light socket in that and uh i could see it it's one weird acting role weird drove for another you know like david bowie would have been cool but it's not that big of a part you know i think my favorite casting is elias coteus as casey yeah. jones him and jenneth hogue judith hogue uh they're so good together like they have this old hollywood fight <laughs> in them like they, they do have like a honeymooners-esque like banter like relationship in this movie you know they it's a hate love relationship i just love when she at the end is like are you gonna kiss me or what like he's like i almost died <laughs> i just i mean also when you look at the character like casey jones they nailed the look mm-hmm. i mean i guess it's not that hard of a thing to nail because of the mask and stuff but He's he's so cool. Uh, he's a just a cool New York tough guy. I just like how in both of the characters' cases, uh, April and Casey Jones, f- two minutes after seeing fully live, full grown ninja mutant turtles that are talking to you, it, it's it's unaffecting their lives. Like I would be babbling in a corner someplace. <laughs> They're so- fine with it. They're cool with it. So the short list for Casey Jones, uh, we talked about last time, Nicolas Cage was on that list, mm, but he was nice. way too expensive after Moonstruck. Like, 
imagine Nicolas Cage as Casey Jones. It's insane. This would have been. <laughs> have you seen Renfield yet? No, I really do want to see it. He, though. He's so good in it, but like he's back to Vampire's Kiss style Nicolas Cage. And this would have been the time of Vampire's Kiss. So we would have gotten that crazy oh, wow. style Casey Jones. Uh, Keanu was another one. Keanu okay. makes sense. Keanu Reeves. But this was point break, Keanu. Yeah, I guess it does make sense. I was going to say, it's, he's like, I get it just wouldn't have been, I think, as heavy and cool of a role because I don't see Keanu delivering the lines quite as badass. Yeah. I, I guess, you know. I mean, I love Ke- uh, Like, Keanu now could do it. Yeah, I mean, Keanu, Keanu now is sure. so grizzled. <laughs> like, Bill and Ted Keanu, I don't know. but I love Bill and Ted Keanu, though. I do, too, but it's, I don't know if that translates to a Casey no. Jones performance, you know? Yeah, and then, um, oh, who was the other one? It was it was someone very surprising. Um, was it Kevin Bacon? Kevin Bacon would have been pretty good. I mean, I could see that. I mean, I could see a lot of people doing it, but I just feel it was cool that they got this guy – Maybe he was in some stuff that somebody oh, knew. Oh, it was Cusack. But... Oh, wow. It was Cusack. It was John Cusack. More of a sarcastic Casey Jones. Yeah, he, but he is a he kickboxer. humor and charm. Yeah. Um, but Elias Coteus got casted based on Some Kind of Wonderful, um, where he's playing a very similar character. I mean, he's perfect in this in every yeah. way. I mean, he's good in the action roles. He's good when he has to be tough. He's good when he just has to be funny when he's when they're on the farm and they're just kind of there's the stuff with him and Donnie. There's the honeymooner <laughs> the, stuff with him in April. I love it all. I love the fight over uh, Marianne and Ginger. Yeah, I like when he's I, something that just makes me laugh because I'm childish is when he's on like sitting there eating an apple or whatever. And April comes out and asks him for help or something. Uh he says something misogynistic. She leaves. And then like she, the, the thing just falls apart. The swing, the swing he's on just falls apart. Like, I don't know if that was planned, but I always thought like that just happened. And he just sort of played it off as an, actor. I think it did just happen. <laughs> I <love> that. <laughs> and Judith Hogue, I, to me, she was really, she is my favorite April. Mm-hmm. Um, I know she didn't, one wasn't really wanting to be in this role. Yeah, um, Robin Williams talked her into it. That's I remember you telling me that last time and just that blowing my mind. Yeah. You know, I love they for some reason Robin Williams uh so, had some sway on this movie. That's so <laughs> magical, you know. Just him being like Judith, you have to do this movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, these turtles. Oh. Michelangelo was like, "Hey." Raphael's like, "Hmm." Oh, Donnie's really smart. <laughs> Leo's over a, in the corner reading a book. He's just a very smart boy. <laughs> That's cool that he talked her into it. Judith, I don't appreciate that she also was echoing the things that Henson Company was about the violence. I don't appreciate that. We're all entitled to our own opinion. Yeah. But, you know, but I think even she, she would probably be like a dramatic actress. I like, get it. But this will help you do that. Yeah. You know? And I, oh, I I think uh, Robin Williams wanted to play Baxter Stockman. Like, like they they were gonna go with Sam Jackson, but Robin Williams as Baxter Stockman would have been pretty good. 
Well, knowing how good of a dramatic actor he was, too, I have no problem with that in either way. Like, he can do over-the-top, death-to-smoochy, weird villain acting. He could do funny, and he can just do crazy. So it would have been weird to see how he took that. Yeah, but he did Hook instead, and I do love Hook. I support that. That's fine. Yeah, you got to love Hook. Um, I I think with this film, the 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 designs of the actual animatronics and this is where i really don't agree with henson with the violence because like they they they're the ones who designed a beat up splinter like you had to design that like <laughs> yeah you designed a built like a, a beat up carcass like covered in blood aged rat you know but they nailed that like yeah. this splinter, it looks great. Do I want to meet that thing in real life and smell it and everything? No, it looks scary. I don't like that. But splinter, the turtles, but specifically to me, the thing that they nailed that I love and I've always loved about Ninja Turtles in general is Shredder. Shredder yeah. is in and of himself is a great villain. He has a perfect name for a villain, scary. And then when you see him, it looks cool in the cartoon, but how they made it come to life in this movie in such a dramatic, per, I mean, perfect way. It looks like what you saw in the cartoon, but very scary and cool looking. And the one thing that we kind of gloss over every time I've seen this is the fact that this is a cult. The foot is a cult. Like, oh yeah, yeah the way they designed it was so very culty because you have the people who do the bidding which is the actual ninjas but then you have the people who think that this is their family and i love the fact that like we have a young sam rockwell in this movie and like he he's basically i i don't want to say he's like the realtor of of the foot clan but he's basically the tour guide he's, he's basically like the college tour kind of of these you know no good you know goons i don't know if he's out on the streets like collecting these wayward youths that they like because that's the first step step yeah. one when you get in the foot clan is have some fun go smoke some cigarettes smoke a cigar play some narc over in the arcade area, maybe some pool, hang out with your buddies, you know? But I, to me though, Scott, if I'm speaking as a, me as a kid, yeah, some guy comes up to me and I'm just pissed off at mom and dad. And they're like, Hey man, you want to go smoke a butt and go play some pool with your buddies over here in this cool Island getaway. I'd be like, yeah, I'm coming. And when Sam Rockwell's offered me menthol or regulars, I am fully in, and there's Burger King over there. Yeah, so, do, do you do you, th do you think that Sam Rockwell's character in this is his same character from Galaxy Quest? Pro I mean, this that's it. That's the continuation. Yeah, he 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 drops out of the Foot Clan, moves to L.A., becomes a struggling actor. He had to. I mean, it was either go to jail or leave New York. The commissioner, you know, he's like. I gotta go, guys. It was it's been real while it lasted, but there's not enough cigarettes here for all of us. So I'm going out to LA. Uh, Shredder's dead. He's he's crushed in a garbage can. There's no coming back from this, guys. We gotta go. Yeah. As I said, as I've talked to you about this, like I remember as a kid seeing blood when when Shredder gets crushed. 
but this viewing, I'm like, oh no, there, there's nothing there. Like it's that weird Mandela effect. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like a red coloration on the it's garbage oil. truck. It's yeah, it's, it's oil from the the gears. But like, I I specifically remember him like flat out being dead. Well, and it looks like he is. I mean, we see a helmet crushed, you know, and that could have fallen off in the ten story fall that he took into the truck, but. I mean, really, what I'd like to point out is just the cold-blooded nature of Casey Jones, who, without any second <laughs> thought at all, is just like, oh, guys in the truck, oops. Like, you yeah. know, maybe just tie him up, figure out that situation. Don't he's try whistling. to clutch his he's, ass. He's just like. <laughs> yeah, and then everyone saw 9.95. There's a dead guy over here, guys. <laughs> there is a dead guy in this truck. Is we just committed a crime. <laughs> yeah the the i mean the at this point the chief just he's had it he just doesn't want to be there he's like yeah, whatever there's a dead guy in there take the truck away <laughs> i i love i love how surly this this chief of police is like he's every classic 90s like slater get in here <laughs> like yeah you know how much damage you cost us, you son of a bee. Yeah, he's definitely two has days till retirement. You trying to me how to do my job? He definitely has that. He's got like wrestling promo anger energy for sure. Yeah, very, very Vince McMahon. <laughs> but even that guy, perfect casting, does great. April O'Neil does great. I mean, I so, can't think of anybody other than Danny who yeah, I yeah. Like I was just about movie. to say you and I both. To do not like Danny. He's a scumbag. He's not good. He's not good people at all. He's a bad son. He's he's running away from his dad, who's providing for him, who could probably get him a job on TV if he just acts right. Yeah, like all he you has know? to do is show up, and he can be a PA, just like yeah. getting April coffee and stealing twenties like, from like the weekend anchor. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to. And he, yeah, he steals from the lady, takes art from the lady, completely sells out the turtles. The first and chance Splinter. he gets. He, this kid just doesn't get it, you know, Scott. He doesn't get it like us. I'd be there trying to help out. But yeah, like, no. when when he's like, oh, no, this is all my fault. Like, I would have loved for Raph to just start shaking him and, like, beating the shit out of him. Yeah. Like, Wait, you're responsible for this? And just whipping his ass. Yeah, I like that. Not That's like you. Ending. Not from them. Like, <laughs> I don't think it's loaded, kid. But anyway, wow. <laughs> Yeah, that would have been a better ending. I definitely would have enjoyed that. Yeah, like when he gives April the 20 back and then goes to his dad, I would just love for for uh, the turtles to just pull a net and be like, uh-uh, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah, that is true. Like, they definitely clocked him stealing that 20. I'd be like, hey, April, the fucking kids stole $20 from you. You want us to go get him real quick? <laughs> Throw a smoke bomb and make him disappear, Kino style. So I I remember um, getting this in the second one confused when they have to do the the flips. Yeah. In this it, for their training, they do it in this one, but when they bring it back in the second one, I thought Mikey faking doing the flips of doing the one and yeah. clapping. I thought it was in this one, but it's in the sequel. No, he. I do remember that. That was me too. Like that was me as a little kid. Like if I had to do exercise, I'd try to do that kind of stuff. So yeah, 
I like Mikey in this though, when he's like ordering the pizza and stuff and he gets real, like, he's like, listen, dude. And I'm telling you, no anchovies. If I see anchovies on this, I like that. I like his energy. I, I also love it when they're doing ninjutsu to tequila. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> I, I love Leo just dancing and he's just like doing the little cha-cha, <laughs> like the little fingers. And he's like, where are you going? Going to a movie. Is that okay with you? Yeah, it's Leo's. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I, it's so. I love the sound design of not the actual sound, like not the fighting, not, I mean, yeah, that's great. But like recording them just doing the hmm or the yeah, like, like the secondary dialogue, I really like. This viewing like made me appreciate like how good the voice acting is in this, especially from the guy who plays Mikey, who is cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch. That is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they all nail it. I mean, obviously you think Feldman's going to be the top dog in this, but I feel like everybody, I mean, they're voice actors. That's how they show the emotion on the actual puppet, like the faces and stuff, which is awesome. But these guys, you know, especially like the Raph guy, I feel like he really Josh knocks Pice. it out of the park. He, he's he got that fun, like really over the Rocky top New York style. accent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's yeah. the only one who did both the the body and the uh, voice. And he's like, I didn't know we could do the voice and not have to actually do the performance. <laughs> Apparently he lost like 25 pounds because he was just sweating. That's like, the new workout, Scott. We're just going to get these suits and then we're going to put people in it and be like, you're going to lose 25 pounds. I'll do it we're- in a heartbeat. <laughs> That's all I will. Honestly, if you could give me a suit and tell me that it had been sanitized a little bit, like I'll climb into it. Yep. I'll get in there. I would love that. I think with the actual story as a whole, the the underlying theme of what to do when the person who has taught you their entire life and has been by your side isn't there anymore, stepping up and being an adult, I think that was the underlying theme that people just totally missed with this film. Yeah. I mean, it's hard as a kid to, like, be anything other than, like, it's just the good guys winning and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, it just, like, picking up the pieces. You know, life's not always going to be perfect the things that you're used to right now are probably not going to be there at some point in the future so being able to sort of get past that and in this case like band together with the people that are left your brothers and stuff being you know family and bonding together as a team to defeat something or overcome something it's obvious i mean that's definitely one of the overlining themes here and you know, as a kid, I was just so enthusiastically just loving seeing the turtles be Treader again. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it has, a, it just got, it's done so well. And like, it does have like a strangely from this, like from something that's coming from something so simple, it's got a lot of heart. Like, you know, when they, when they do lose their the uh, splinter and they come into their place and it's all destroyed and raf has that, like that crazy reaction yeah that, that like meltdown yeah i mean that's so that's great acting and then like uh you know even like a, a real quiet moment when uh raphael comes home and uh splinter's there waiting for him and just like kind of like 
telling him about how angry he is and how, you know, he still loves him and stuff. Yeah. It's weird. You know, like if you said that, if you just kind of explained that to somebody like that's in a Ninja Turtles movie, what? And you're like, yeah, it's yeah, all, dude. it's all about growing up. And the, the scene that always got me is the meditation scene by the fireplace where they see not fireplace, uh, the campfire where yeah. they see splinter and Mikey is crying, which makes you realize he wasn't, you know, just being rude to his brother. He wasn't being rude to Donnie earlier. He didn't want to think about it, as we said before. And like just seeing them actually act like, you know, children grieving. It's. It's really shocking for, you know, a Ninja Turtles movie. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, in in all areas in that scene, like you see on one side, Leo and Raph are together and they're like holding hands and like, Pat, I think Raph has sort of a, he's welling up. Yep. And, but on the other side, like you see him like comforting each other and like being happy, you know, it's a weird scene that they know their father's alive, but it's almost like them relief crying, like having a happy cry together. But it is a strange five minutes of movie that you probably wouldn't expect going into Ninja Turtles, the movie, you know? So looking it up, the reason why Henson, the Henson company didn't like the tone of the movie is because this was right after Jim died. Yeah. I mean, I guess so, no, you put it, so much work into it. You'd think they'd just be so proud of how great right, it came out. Right. But they were trying to, broker this deal with disney and they were trying to seem family friendly and they knew that jim wasn't there to fight the battle be like so what if it was dark yeah i mean it would be crazy i if he would have been around i wonder what his opinion really would have been he would have been like make the movie the way it's supposed to be that's what i did with labyrinth that's what i did with dark crystal yeah and i mean those movies if you watch go back and watch those i mean i know it the violence might be negligible but the tones and just like the weirdness and trippiness crystal is so it's it's terrifying it's a terrifying movie for a child to watch yeah and i mean especially the skexies and i mean labyrinth is just creepy because you have david bowie yeah no yeah who i do love david bowie but him in that movie as the goblin king and the whole ballroom glass crystal ball dance Still weird. Yeah, I remember even as an adult being creeped out by them. Me, why, like somebody getting me to watch in college and me being like, I just don't like that. This is weirding me out. It's great. And I mean, Henson has always just nailed it. And I, I just, I don't know. I wish that there wasn't the negativity because I love Jim Henson. I love everything they've ever done and he ever did. And still they do. But, um, I just, for me, it's just like, even as now, right now watching it, I think I even watched it, you know, I know we recorded a while ago and I watched it, but I've watched it since. And Mm -hmm. it just is, I can't, I'll, I will never stop watching it. It's one of the few movies that I can always go back to and just never be disappointed, enjoy. And it, they, everybody killed it. It makes me sad that there's people that walked away from this movie with like a bad taste in their mouths, even after seeing all the success that it got. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the merchandise is sold. I mean, they had ties in with Domino's, which I we we've talked about the weird pizza companies that that had the rights to to certain Ninja Turtles movies. Like this one was Domino's, TMNT was Papa John's, 
the Michael Bay one was Pizza Hut. It's like the I feel like the new one that's coming out, the the Seth Rogen one. I I would love for it to be like like the most obscure, like being like Little Caesars. I that would be great because I love me some Little Caesars. So I'm I do in. too. But, but I mean, little... it makes it, it's a no brainer. You got yeah. Ninja Turtles, you got to do a pizza tie in. So yeah. God bless whoever has the money to get on board with that one. I hope it's Pizza Hut. The Little That's Caesars mine. that was that was near us just shut down and it breaks my heart because it's my favorite garbage pizza place to go to. Yeah, I mean, I, I still, I mean, I'm, we're probably weeks removed from just getting desperate and just going, you know what? A hot and ready just sounds delicious. Or that and some crazy bread. I, I like doing that. the Detroit-style deep dish. I've never had it. I, I can't. It's probably delicious, but I'm always like in a, when we make that call, it's like a, it's like a time thing or we're just so hungry that. They used to have hot and ready ones of those. Really? Like, yeah. They're okay, supposed to have them available. What's the price point we're talking here, Scott? How much more are we going on a deep Two dish? bucks. I think it's seven ninety nine for cheese and eight ninety nine okay. for use the promo code WBB. Um <laughs> no <laughs> eight ninety nine for pepperoni and seven ninety nine for cheese, I think, or like six ninety nine and seven ninety nine. It's the difference of of like two dollars. Well, I'll omit the crazy bread order and I'll just get that instead. So TBD on the review. I'll let you know what I think. I mean, I believe you can get a bundle meal where they include crazy bread. It's just a trash thing that I can't say no to. It's just, I don't know. It's not even it's a the 90s best thing. It's stick. definitely a 90s thing, my friend. It's just a something about the taste. It's like a, it's a synthetic bread taste that it's not natural and it's not what I'd even call great, but it's, there's something about it. I just, well, need, I, love I it. go back to, the nineties and the whole when they used to do the, the little Caesars bundle thing where you would get for like six bucks, you would get two pizzas and crazy bread and like a two liter bottle of soda yep. for like 10 bucks. I mean, <clears throat> they've always been there for me. I, I love little Caesars simply for that. So I don't think they'll ever die because clearly the business model works. Um, and it's, I don't, the only pizza I don't like Scott is Papa John's. So me too. that's the only one that I can't get with. And even if you throw me some butter, some butter sauce, I maybe I'll, maybe I'll make it work, but you can ask for that from, from Domino's like (laughs) I'm into it, but uh, you know, this one, I, I just want the pizza. If I could eat a pizza slice, it's the pizza from the beginning of Ninja Turtles 2. Yeah, I mean, that giant one with the cheese with the cheese yeah. bowl. Yeah. Yeah. My old my inner fat kid went like for some reason most of my memories are food related and I didn't even taste that pizza, Scott. But for however long it's been in my life, I've wanted just to eat that whatever that slice of pizza is. Wherever Kino works, I want to <laughs> eat that pizza. It's supposed to be um Famous uh, Joe's, it, yeah, the Joe's in New York. Joe's I've pizza. I've never eaten it. I I found New York pizza to be strange. The cheapest pizza we ate was the best pizza we ate. So, did you get a dollar um, slice? We didn't get the dollar slice, but we went to. I don't even know that that existed when we went the last time, and we're like touring around. Maybe it's it did, now but, a dollar fifty. But yeah, like, 
We went to just like a hole in the wall place that just served like New York slices. But then we went to the, and I, you know, maybe we went on a bad day, but the, it was like artichoke something pizza. That's like sort of a fad. It's like white pizza that just has this, think of the sauce of fettuccine Alfredo. Yeah. That there's so growing up, growing up, there was a white garlic butter pizza that had shrimp and artichokes that, you know, we used to get my parents used to get well we would be garbage children and eat cheese pizza um (laughs) but yeah it it, it's a trend um i i think so my favorite place so where april lives she lives uh well they say eastman and layered off of bleaker but she lives near um uh the upper west side near zabar's and there was a my favorite pizza place was right there and they closed down TNR pizza was my favorite in New York. And I could get one giant slice, which is was pretty much a medium pizza or small pizza for two fifty. I miss I mean, <clears throat> that's such a hack like joke. Like when I was a kid, I could get a hot dog and a soda and get a nickel back or some stuff like that. But it's well, true. You can still like, do that at Costco for a dollar fifty. Thank you. And I just had one of those delicious hot dogs last week. Yeah, it's international. So good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean New York pizza. I, we had a place in Pennsylvania that I loved as a kid called OIP that was owned by Italians and had oh, that yeah. kind of pizza. It was delicious. But it's since changed hands, just like everything. The sands of time have taken away the delicious they don't serve a good slice so i'm open hopefully i find that new york slice that i see in ninja turtles too but yeah um, if you go to joe's uh in new york you'll you'll get it it's it's basically they used it in ninja turtles 2 they used it in spider-man 2 it's it's basically where to go to get the best slice of pizza in new york I'm going, but see, that's the thing. There's a lot of Joes and famous Joes. So, is there a specific address? I I'll I'll text you, please, because that that was the thing. I think when we went, we were like, "There's like 50 of these play. Which one is it?" And they all say they're the original ones. So, I don't know, but you know, fat kid dreams aside, this movie did, like, in a weird way, Scott changed the course of my life because it was a movie that had like a, I had a powerful reaction to, and it made me want to understand how people made movies because of this, you know, before I just liked movies and going to it, but this made me want to figure that out, which I did eventually go to film school. And uh, this was one of the first movies that inspired me to actually like watch behind the scenes stuff. Because anything I could watch that I, I showed me this. I asked to stay up late to watch on Nickelodeon the behind the scenes of this. Yeah, I mean, anything I could get my hands on. The, I have a magazine in my office here that is from that time period. There was like a hype piece for it, but talked about the animatronics and stuff. And it was so fascinating. So I'm sending you right now the link to nice. Joe's pizza on carmine street in new york city well i have my the company i work for have a showroom in new york city on park avenue so i'm gonna get a company trip there and i'm going to joe's (sighs) i'm going there 
There it is. It's in Greenwich Village. I mean, I'm sure we passed it, but that city is one of those places where Kendra and I are walkers. When we get to a place like that, we just like to walk and keep going and seeing stuff. And the day we were on our pizza tour, we went in the summer. We were walking everywhere. I think New York in the summer is not to go. That's, I mean, my it shirt smells like garbage. <laughs> I mean, it does, but my sh- I was sweating. I mean, we had probably walked like 20 miles at that point. So when I ate the pizza, it could have been a sock with cheese and pepperoni melted on it. I was just ready to eat something. So. Yeah. <laughs> I was ready. Yes. Um, so with this film, I think it has my favorite theme song that pisses me off. We got to talk about Turtle Power. I like it. I, I like do a, too. I like but... a song that just tells you the story of a movie after you've watched the movie. Yeah, so. me too. Except Raphael is not the leader of the group. It drives me crazy. I will die on this hill. <laughs> wow. Help the team with one other fellow Raphael. He's the leader of the group, transformed from the norm by the nuclear group. I mean, nitpicking aside, though, it's got a beat. And oh, also, it, yeah, it's a, it was my my cell phone ringtone for the longest time. I I didn't clock the the semantical mistake that they made about that, and I do agree. I mean, obviously, he's not the leader. Shame on whoever that was that sang that. I forget their name. Yeah. Uh, but there is another. <laughs> hot fire song on the soundtrack called 9.95 that you know i think michelangelo actually says it at the end whenever casey kisses april he's like 9.95 and i think it actually starts playing a little bit in the background but Mm -hmm. listen to it The, the music video features the ninja turtles and the song is actually it's a nice 80s party song i like it it was fun I feel like like this is an album that should have had like Technotronic or like CNC Music Factory. I, I maybe I'm like this is Mandela Effect, but I feel like Technotronic might be on the soundtrack. Oh, nice! I feel like I saw because I put it on our when my podcast talked about it. We talked about the soundtrack specifically because I had it, and uh, yeah, I actually have the tape that was given to me on my birthday for the soundtrack of this too, which is another thing. It's like people were just giving me anything Ninja Turtles kids would accept. I would take pins. I don't wear pins, Scott pogs, whatever it was like Ninja Turtles, anything, (laughs) this movie, this Ninja Turtle pie. (laughs) I mean, anything. Oh, I mean, it's trash and it looks disgusting. Green custard pie. Yep. It's delicious. Um, So, so I know you have a heart out. Uh, So let's get into our rating system. Uh, out of 13 bagels, how many bagels do you give this? I mean, I don't want to be ridiculous and say a, a million bagels. I would if I could. 13 <laughs> out of 13 because it is, for me, it's a perfect movie. You know, I'm, I'm going with 12 because of uh, there is one problem I still have with this is Danny. Still to this day, I... Even as a kid, whenever there was a kid in a movie, I'm like, that's the coolest character. Even as a kid, I was like, yeah, that 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 guy's a douchebag. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's redheaded. He's, you know, he just looks scummy. He's, But you got to have a character every once in a while in a movie you hate, you know? 
Saving Private Ryan, you had to have that guy, that Upham character that chickens out at the end and gets the Jewish guy killed. Yeah. You know, there's characters like that where you're like, man, I hate that guy, but you know, I, he need, we need to move the story around. Uh, you know, we need that device. So he serves his purpose. Yeah. And, and I just turn, hope Dan, he, Charles just gives him a nice smack in the face when they turn the cameras off. There's nothing redeemable about the character of Danny. So, do you want to promote anything? Yes. Um, I have two podcasts. The first, we just started, Kendra and I just started a new podcast called Food Show Fanatics. Uh, oh, I we, know. You guys started following me on everything. <laughs> yeah, of course. So yeah. we appreciate you uh, accepting the friend request, but we just basically love food shows mm-hmm. um, and competition shows. So right now we are reviewing season nine of Spring Br- spring baking championship on food oh, yeah, network nice. um because we just love to critique people that are baking in an intense situation so check that out it's a, just an audio podcast it's available wherever you can get audio podcasts and then i have another podcast called happened in the 90s that's a show about the 90s we talk about movies music and pop culture i do it with my buddy steve um we're on youtube we are on all audio platforms. We're on social media. Um, you know, we might be in your house right now. No, <laughs> uh, we're everywhere. And uh, check us out. Um, if you like 90s, if you like movies and just two buddies just shooting the poop every once in a while, uh, making people laugh, check it out. Um, we appreciate it. And I have two other podcasts. I have Hell is a Musical on the Zero Science Network, and I have the yearly miniseries of When Scary Met Stabby. And you can find both of those on the Zero Science Network. You can find them uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Like us, rate us, find us on Twitter, Instagram, all that jazz. And uh, with this podcast, give us five stars and we can keep making more and more. Uh, Matt, thanks so much for doing this after we had a, a, a hiccup. It's my pleasure. I'll come back anytime and we can talk to Ninja Turtles, anything else, or just pizza. I yeah. Enjoy it all, so. <laughs> I would definitely talk pizza for a couple of hours. Awesome. So until next time, I'm Scott Curlin. Bye.